Well, kia ora and welcome to this online service. A big hello to our Connect the New Life family and living rooms everywhere. Hey, we've just completed our first week of level three, but I want to tell you, bring on level two. Can I hear an amen? It can't come soon enough. Hey, before we get into the word, I just want to take a moment and thank you for your generosity over the last couple of weeks. We gave an appeal for Vanuatu, as you know, during our lockdown, they had suffered from Cyclone Harold. Houses were lost, church was damaged, people were homeless, lost their possessions. We gave an appeal, you rose to the occasion. Last week we told you we'd crossed the $16,000 mark. I wanna tell you, as of this week, we are well past the $20,000 mark. And so from the bottom of Anita and my hearts, we just wanna say thank you for your generosity. We know that will bless them and that will really help rebuild some of the stuff that has been damaged. So thank you uh, so much. And I, I just, uh, like I say, blown away uh, by the generosity, especially in this time where it's it's difficult for some people. So thank you. We, we love you and appreciate uh, that so much. Well, I pray you're ready for the word. Turn to the person next to you. Look them in the eye and say, I am ready to hear God's word today. And let's take a moment and pray. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that it's, you, you can speak to us no matter where we are. We pray that you would. Uh, Father, as we open our hearts to you today, that you would speak into our hearts, Lord, that you would change what you want to change, shift what you want to shift. Help us hear from you today. Meet that need in Jesus' name. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, it says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. It says the righteous run to it and are safe. It says in the NIV, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. It's a strong tower. It's a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. You know, it blows me away that the God of the universe knows my name. The God of the universe knows your name, especially when we consider who this God is, especially when we consider how great he is. The fact that he knows our name blows me away. The psalmist says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. And then it goes on to say, when I consider the heavens, when I Consider the work of your fingers, the work of your hands, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. In other words, what is man? Who are, who are we that you would even take a moment to think about us? Who we are? Who are we? Yet the Bible says he knows our name. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you, listen, by name. I have called you by name. You are mine. He knows your name. You know, if you're like me, I have to work really hard to remember people's names. I like just the way I am. I'm just being honest here. Uh, when I first meet people, I'm often very nervous. They can tell me their names and within seconds, 
I forgot it. I, I find this especially so at conferences. You know, you're meeting lots of new people and it can, the foyer can be overwhelming and people are, you know, I'm Frank, I'm Jim, and people are introducing themselves and they might even tell me their name twice, but I, I can tell you within seconds, just because I'm nervous, I've forgotten their name. And then you have that awkward moment where you're, you're going, I'll just, I'll just do a quick glance down to their name badge and see what their name is. But then they catch you staring at their chest because they've written their name like a two-year-old on their thing. And so you can't, you can't read it. Those are awkward moments. But I, if you're like me, I always get names mixed up. I, I forget people's names. In fact, I remember meeting a guy in the church foyer. You know, I, I try to look out for that new person that's there. Who's that first-time person? I remember meeting this guy. I'm like, hey, you know, nice to meet you. What's your name? So on, introduced back and forth. And so as I'd see him week on, week out, I'd say, hi, Bob. How are you? Great to see you at church today. Week after week, I'd, if I saw him out, hey, Bob, good to see you. If, he, if I saw him in the auditorium, Bob, it's really great to uh, that you're at church today. But after a few weeks of doing that, Bob stopped me and he said, Pastor, my name is Tom. <laughs> my name is Tom. I've been calling him Bob all these weeks. It's, it's awkward. I, I forget names. I get them mixed up. I, I've even done it, to be honest, at a, at a funeral. And, and I, you know, I like giving saints, old saints, good send-offs. And so I work hard at that. But at this particular uh, funeral, I, at the beginning of the funeral, like I, I guess any funeral, I like to do the condolences. And so I'm going through the names of the family and I, I'm saying Sandra, Alan, Yvonne, Matt, uh, Monique, Jillian and Jason, our hearts go out to you today. And then we carried on with the service. And at the end of the service, like I say, I like to give senior saints a good send off. I was like, man, that was a good service. That was a good send-off. The family after the service came to me and said, Pastor, beautiful service, beautiful service. I was like, amen, we nailed it, we nailed it. But then the family said, but Pastor, can we ask a question? I said, sure, sure. They said, who is Jillian and Jason? Who is Jillian and Jason? And I said to them, you don't know who Jillian and Jason are? I mean... You know, like, did dad have kids we didn't know about? And then in that moment, the light bulb went on. I realized that Jillian and Jason were from the last funeral I did because I'd done one of those pastor's tricks. I had cut and pasted the names, but I hadn't cut out Jillian and Jason. Now, their uh, family is probably watching today, so please forgive me, forgive me. They did forgive me. They, were, uh, they had a good laugh about it uh, too. That's why I can share it today. But even at weddings, I've got people's names mixed up. I've forgotten uh, what their names are at weddings to our, uh, our beautiful staff, some who work here, Natalie and Mason, when I was doing their wedding, my dyslexic brain got their names mixed up. I ended up calling them Natalie and Nason. I, I, I forget names. But I want to tell you today, I might forget your name, your pastor might forget your name, your connect group or small group leader might forget your name, but I'm here today to tell you God will never forget your name. The God of the universe knows your name. In fact, Isaiah said this. He said, can a mother forget the baby at her breast 
And then it says, though, even if she forgets, even if she forgets, I will not forget you. It says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. And I think the New Living Translation, it says, I have engraved your name on the palm of my hands. He knows your name. But just as it is important that He knows our name, I want to say to you today, saints, that it's equally important that we know His name, that we know who He is, who God is. In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses had his encounter with God at the burning bush, Moses asked God, what is your name? Because names are important, right? Our name is who we are. Our name is our identity. There is a lot in a name. And so at the burning bush, Moses said to God, when people asked, he'd been given this huge task to accomplish. And so he was going to go, have to go and tell people, God has sent me to you. And so he's like, God, what is your, what is your name? And here's what God said to him. He, he said in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, what is your name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. And then he went on to say, this is my name, not just for your generation, Moses, but this is going to be my name for all generations. This is my, it says in Exodus 3 verse 15, this is my forever name. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Meaning as it was then, so it is now. As it was for that generation, so it is for this generation now. I am, that is his name. And this name is a strong, fortified, and mighty tower. It's a name that you can find refuge. You can find refuge in this name. You can find safety in it. You can find peace in it. You can find reconciliation and redemption in it. Provision in it. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God who will meet every single one of our needs according to His riches and glory. I mean, it is, it is the name that is able to, to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. And because He works in us, this I am God with this forever name meets you and I at the point of our need in the midst of our battle and struggle. When someone says, I'm going under, will somebody help me? I am. I can't hold it together anymore. I am. Nobody is listening to me. I am. I'm not sure who's on my side. I am. I'm pouring into others. Who's pouring into me? I am. I deserve more. I am. I've given all I can, but it's never enough. I am. 
Who could possibly be smart enough to figure all this out? I am. I just need somebody to hold me. I am. Who's going to make it through this? I am. I need a new idea. I am. What's the latest thing? I am. What works? I am. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the same yesterday. I am the same today. I am the same forever. I am the solution. I'm the sustainer. I am the restorer. I'm the life giver. I am the beginning. I am the end. I am the first and the last. I am God and there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I am that I am. And that is my name. That is my memorial name. My forever name to every generation. I am God. And when we know His name, when we know His name, who He is, only then can we truly understand who and whose we are. He knows your name and He hears the cry of your heart. I got to a stage in my mind that I gave God a week. I said, God, if you really love me, please show me. But if you don't show me, in a week's time, I'm going to take my life. I was born in London. My father was from Manchester, my mother was Irish. Mum and Dad decided to immigrate to New Zealand. I ended up becoming quite rebellious because of the things that was going on at home. There was a lot of rejection and there was a lot of um, physical abuse. And I ended up running away several times. And as a result of that, I was made a state ward. I did the same thing there. I ran away from there many, many times too. I later on had a relationship with a guy and I became pregnant to him. My parents weren't supportive of me in any way. I was really on my own and I was quite frightened. One day I met a guy in the square. I was with a girlfriend. Stan came along and the girl that I was with was called Rona May and she knew Stan and she called out to him and they started talking and I just stood there feeling like a gooseberry. But anyway, when he walked away, I said to Rona May, I'm going to marry him. I don't know why I said that, but I just suddenly knew I was going to marry him. I hadn't even spoken to him. Eventually, we met up again, and um, we were met and married within six weeks, and six weeks later, I had a baby. And we moved out to a place called Leaston. But during that time we were living out there, we were very isolated. I felt very lonely and became very depressed, and I didn't like being depressed at all. So I went to the doctors and he gave me some tablets to take and they just made me very sleepy and I didn't like being sleepy so I just threw them down the toilet. My mood became in a dark place and I started thinking about life and death and my mind got to such a stage that I remember one night being in bed and I could see myself outside of my body going to the kitchen and taking my life. I got to a stage in my mind that I gave God a week. I said, God, if you really love me, please show me. But if you don't show me, in a week's time, I'm going to take my life because I can't live like this any longer. 
And you know what? <laughs> right on the very last day, two men, one Sunday afternoon while Steve was away milking, knocked on my door. And their names were Neville Hinman and Barry McConnell. They were inviting people to come to one of their meetings, but they said that when they got to my door, when they knocked on it, they just used a different approach. They said, can we introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ? And I had a light bulb moment. I said, come in, I've been waiting for you. And of course they were dumbfounded. They looked at each other and was very surprised. And so I said, come in, I've been waiting for you. So they came in and they told me all about Jesus and how he loved me and how I could be born again and how I could go to heaven. And I was just ready for it. So they prayed with me. I repented of my sins and I asked Jesus to come in to my life and take over the reins of my life so that I could no longer live for myself, which wasn't going too good anyway, but to live for him. The biggest thing that he dealt with in my life was dealing with that fear and that torment. And um, I had someone that had prayed with me and I was set free from a spirit of fear and a tormenting spirit, which you've got no idea what it felt like to have that lifted off of your life. Even things look brighter. The greens look greener. The sky looked bluer. Everything, it's like something fell from my eyes as well. Prior to being a Christian, I had no dreams, no ambitions, no hope, no place to go. Didn't think I could amount to anything or do anything. But, and yet in God, he totally changed things around and had us doing things that were way outside my box. It's like God really believed in us. And so I feel totally fulfilled in God, happy, peaceful, restful, still have a great hope for the future, not only for myself, but for my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and for the life of the church. If you want to know truth, who is Jesus? He is the way, the truth, and the only life. He will move heaven and earth to get to you. He will reveal himself to you. That would be the most important thing I could say. knows your name and he hears your cry. You know, just as those men knocked on Carol's door, I want to knock on the door of your heart today. In John chapter 8, when the Jews asked Jesus who he was, when they were trying to figure him out, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And then it says the Jews took up stones to throw at him. And the reason they did that is they knew exactly who Jesus was proclaiming himself to be. He was proclaiming himself to be the I am God. The I am God who became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. That's why there is power in the name of Jesus. The power, as the song goes, to break every chain. See, Philippians tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, that Jesus was given the name above every name and that salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be Save. Jesus said, 
I am the way, not just one of the ways. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God except through me. So we can know this today. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so as I knock on the door of your heart today, I want to ask you, would you call upon Him? Maybe you've gone to church your whole life, but you have never given your life to Christ. Would you give your life to Him today? Maybe this is the first time you're watching a broadcast like this. And even as I'm speaking now, you, you can sense God knocking on the door of your heart. Would you give your life to Him today? Would you heed His call? Would you, would you surrender your life to His Lordship? Would you receive the gift of salvation that has been made available through what Christ has done on the cross? See, He died your death that you might live His life. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. Remember, the gospel is never about how bad you are. It's never about what you have done. It's all about what He has done for us. Would you receive that life today? Would you receive His saving power? Would you call on the name of the Lord and be saved? If that's you today and you're saying, yes, pastor, that's me. We're going to take a few moments and pray this prayer and wherever you are in your living room or at your workplace, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, could you take a moment and bow your head and repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Today, I ask you to come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior, I turn away from my sin and turn towards you. Come, help me. Lead my life. Change my life from this day forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we close today, let me pronounce a blessing over you and your family, wherever you are. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Have a great week, everyone.